at Jedi Podcast. I'm Aaron, and with me, as always, are my good friends Dave and Fredo. How you doing, guys? Hi, doing good. So uh, the 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 sun is still kind of out, um, which is nice. Um, I have to say, on Sunday, I took Anthony Mackey's adva- uh, advice. Um, I watched a video of him you know, talking about how one of the essential things is to get a po'boy from Zimmer's Seafood and then go up to the lakefront. Well, we didn't go to Zimmer Seafood, but um, uh, Brittany and I went and we got a, on Sunday when I got in a po'boy from Parkway and then went and sat at the lakefront and had a little mini picnic on a bench and then walked up and down the lake. And it's it's been a delight. It was a delightful Sunday. So it's just been gorgeous the last few days. So um, you guys getting out and about doing anything? Not really. I mean, I'm yard work. <laughs> hey, you know you're enjoying the great outdoors. Yeah. That's the that's the other side of the coin for this time of the year. It picking up, so picking up dog crap is a very you know zen like experience. <laughs> I know this. Some you have some of your best thoughts when you're picking up dog crap. And in the winter here, you can go like three months without mowing your lawn, and we're we're past that point. <laughs> <laughs> you get like a week you know okay so dave you're from kansas originally yeah mm-hmm. so you know this you know i we had dogs and it's really easy to you know not pick up your yard during the winter months because the snow just covers it up and then comes springtime you have to do that yard cleaning where it's like you realize how much your dogs have done in the last you know two months so <laughs> Now being in New Orleans, it's like now I just do it like on a daily basis, and so <clears throat> it's a much it's a much better. That's why you come to this podcast is listen to about dog crap. But hey, you know it is what it is. Fredo, <laughs> what are you up to? Uh, no, I kind of uh, yes, helping with the yard work. You know, took a drive around Lowe's, which was crazy over the weekend. Uh, went and picked up. Um, so we're doing normally this time of year in New Orleans is Jazz Fest. So because of the pandemic, it's going to happen in October. So I've been listening to WWOC doing jazz festing in place, which good soundtrack if you're doing yard work. But then I also went over to uh, Gabrielle's, Gabrielle's restaurant uh, and picked up some crawfish bread, which is quite good. Oh, yeah, we got some of that, too. It was so good. Um, if I don't know if anybody listening to this, if they're going to do it again next weekend. But, yeah, you I should get them. Yes, and if, if you ever get a chance, get their bourbon milk punch. It's always good. <laughs> well, there you, there you have it from straight from Fredo. There's your your and so you can get a po' boy crawfish uh, bread and um, the bourbon, bourbon milk, milk punch. punch. Okay. Yeah, so, it's, a, uh, it's a it's a Sunday brunch drink, but uh, yeah, some days you know you don't feel like a beer. Some days you don't feel like a hard liquor. It's a good in between. I don't know. I always kind of feel like a beer, but uh, but, (laughs) uh, it is the season. Well, I can tell you what we're all going to be doing. We're all going to be doing because next Tuesday is a very special day. Everybody check your calendars because it is Star Wars Day. It is May the 4th. And um, so and we're going to be doing something uh, very special. So for May the 4th, next Tuesday from 6 to 8 p.m., uh, yours truly, the Who Dat Jedi podcast, is going to be out there at Zony Mash in New Orleans. Uh, we're going to play trivia in person with anyone who wants to participate. So I will have the trivia cards. Um, and there just might be a little free Who Dat Jedi swag. Free Who Dat Jedi swag. I think they need to answer a question correctly or at least attempt to answer a question correctly for the swag. But, uh, so yeah, we have we have some Houdat Jedi stuff to hand out. So um, and also out there is going to be the band Big in the '90s. Um, they'll be providing live music, and people will be dressing up in their favorite Star Wars outfits. Do I have to wear my armor? You nah, have to you if you have want to. to. If you hmm, want to, but that's not. This a... is this is now tempting. I don't know. Okay, uh, so you will have a snazzy new T-shirt at that point. Oh, that's true. So no, no armor. Maybe I'll bring. Yeah. I'll just bring a. I'll bring a bucket. Um, all right. So uh, yeah. let's see here at the and but more importantly, uh, the Jewish Federation will be there for Give Nola Day. That's the actually bigger than than Star. Well, like, it's not bigger than Star Wars Day. I don't know if I can say that on a Star Wars podcast. Yeah, it's bigger than Star Wars Day. Give Nola Day. Um, so. Uh, 
they're going to be out there, you know, raising funds. Um, so if you can come out, support them, that is awesome. Um, and you can pre-register for this event. And when you do, you get a free drink on them. And the link is going to be provided, provided in this week's episode description. So check out the episode description, pre-register, and that gets you a free drink. What other reason do you need? Um, so what's also cool is that by donating $10 to the Federation, you get another free drink. Um, though that's not required, and you can just show up for the live music and trivia if you want. But we encourage you to donate you know, if not to the Jewish Federation somewhere, you know, help out um, New Orleans. Um, people are encouraged to register regardless so that we can keep the venue and the event safe. COVID guidelines, you know, including mask wearing will be enforced. Um, but anyway, live music, drinks, costumes, Houdat Jedi, trivia, swag. I don't know what other great words we could use to entice you to come on out. Um, so hopefully it'll be a, um, a, a great, uh, great night. And we might try to record some of that trivia and play it on, uh, on, uh, the podcast. So, um, yeah, yeah. I think that might be next, next week's, uh, show might be, uh, some stuff we get from, uh, from that event. But, uh, I did want to say the t-shirt thing. Oh, well, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else to add to that event? I don't know I'm what just, else I could say. No, it's just, it no I'm just going to ask if Aaron's going to ask his trivia question. Oh, oh yeah. the trivia question. The, the, the trivia, trivia question. question. You know, that was actually my Facebook memory uh, from a couple days ago because I saw that. Yeah, it's like it was it was the day. Yeah. So but no, it was no, funny. It, I was thinking about the T-shirt thing and it got me thinking, um, how many Star Wars T-shirts do you guys have at this point? Because, like, I had not been keeping count. And I was doing my laundry the other day. And I was like, wow, I'm, a, I'm, I'm up to six at this point. I almost have one for every day of the week. Um, and when as Dave just froze there, um, or Perfect. he's astonished that he has six, I think I have more than six. Um, I probably have about that much, if nothing else. Oh, Dave's back. I Wait, have I have Dave's several. Gone. I I love my mashups. I think my favorite that I have is my spy versus spy with lightsabers. Mm-hmm. That that's one yeah. of my that's one of my favorites. Like I said, so it's you know it's it's the mashup, um, or the uh, the the Death Star. It says um, uh, rebuild it, and the rebels will pay for it. That was my yeah. That was my political message from yeah. So there you go. <laughs> but now for me, probably it's the one of the stormtroopers TPing the X-wing. But I was yeah. wearing. I was wearing. Uh, we were walking around the French Quarter a couple weekends ago, and um, I was wearing my. Uh, uh, it's a mashup of Star Wars and you know Van Gogh's Starry Night, and it's a stormtrooper and Starry and and some guy on the street just like totally freaked out over it. Just thought it was the coolest shirt he's ever seen. So. I have one fan, so, but yeah, so, um, Dave, do you have anything more to add to about the event? Um, I think you covered it. I mean, again, uh, would love to see some people come out. Um, it's, it's, it's a fun thing because it's like, okay, May the 4th lines up with Give Nola Day this year. May as well celebrate both. So, yeah. And, uh, and, 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 uh, big in the nineties is a good band. Um, I heard them for the first time uh, at Urban South a few weeks ago, and of course, being a you know when you're at, <laughs> when you were going to college in the '90s, it was like you know major flashbacks. So every song is a good song, and very very talented musicians. So uh, all right, so yeah, come on out, make but make sure you check out the show description so you can register and get your free beer and donate so you can get another free beer and there will be free swag if I can say free anymore. I don't know how I do it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, cool. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, some trivia. And uh, so the uh, the Trivial Pursuit DVD Star Wars Saga Edition, they, the categories are color coordinated, you know, as all Trivial Pursuit um, things are. And, and maybe that's what we could do. I could actually bring out the entire game and have the board and we could uh, have a little competition going on no, we'll have to think about that but so i just need uh i need uh one of you guys to let's see dave pick a color it's either blue pink yellow brown green or orange i'll go with green 
All right. So green is the category for all of us this week. Um, so, Dave, what planet is the backdrop to Anakin and Padme's last embrace? Ooh. Mm. What planet is the backdrop to Anakin and Padme's last embrace? I think Mustafar. I see. I was going to go with Coruscant because I don't remember them embracing on Mustafar, and it is Mustafar. When when she lands and uh, the for, there he runs the, to her. The the force the force choke is considered an embrace, I suppose. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Remember I mean, it when, is. When... Yeah, yeah, that's right. They do run and hug. That's right. There is a moment of lovey doveyness. You're correct. Yeah, Mustafar. Before, before he has to force choke her because yeah. she brought Obi Wan. That's right. She made him do it. You see. Uh, sorry. All right. <laughs> Fredo, your green question. How many pilots typically man the controls of an Imperial Scout Walker? Ooh, let's see. Picture, trying to picture from uh, the Return of the Jedi, the Mandalorian. I'm going to go with two. It is two, and that can be humans or Ewoks. And uh, well, what? And how many Wookies? Well, yeah. Well, there's, you know, that they did have, uh, you know, Chewbacca in the driver's seat, and then you know both Ewoks. So looked a little crowded. All right, so mine, my green question, what color are the markings designating a battle droid with command responsibilities? Now, I am not looking back at my battle droids back here, but I do know this one already, and it is yellow. Yes, it is yellow. Do you know what the uh, the one from the Phantom Menace, what his designation was? Bonus, bonus points. Mm, no clue. They used to know, but I forgot. Oom nine, O O M dash nine. So there you go. There's your geek for the night. All right, we're warmed up for Star Wars, and guess what? The only time we're going to be talking about Star Wars is in the news section because tonight, actually, our main topic is going to be Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I think we're going to be geeking out over this quite a bit um, uh, as kind of a um, giving away the 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 hand here a little bit i marvel is hitting it out of the park with these shows so far mm -hmm. um yeah. you know thought wandavision was good but you know falcon and winter soldier they i think they hit it out of the park um but fredo let's go on to some news okay actually you know before we get to the fun stuff we'll kind of do okay it's kind of weird to do this story because it combines star wars new orleans and crime in a way in which I, I don't know. I mean, part of you, it's a serious story, but part of you just runs wild with the ways to tell it. So I'll just read it from WDSU's website. The New Orleans Police Department is searching for a person seen wearing a Star Wars costume wanted in connection with a stabbing incident. Police say around 8.50 p.m. on Saturday night, a performer known to wear a Chewbacca costume, reportedly stabbed a person with a knife after a verbal disagreement in the 700 block of Toulouse Street. That old man's mad. Person's actual identity is unknown. I mean, I thought we knew it was Chewbacca, but okay. Police say a witness say that a person's costume head came off. So, you know, that would that have been a big faux pas in the 501st Aaron? Uh, Did the helmet not come off? Yeah. Breaking character. Yeah. It would. It would. Uh, revealed the suspect to be a man possibly in his 20s. But ladies and, and gentlemen... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone with additional information says to call the NOPD or Crime Stoppers. Alright, so... Alright, so first of all, this 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 is a must. So yes, um, this, was, this was my question. Um, will this person be using the Chewbacca defense? ...of this supposed jury... I have one final thing I want you to consider. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Chewbacca. Chewbacca is a Wookiee from the planet Kishik, but Chewbacca lives on the planet Endor. Now think about that. That does not make sense. Damn it. What? He's using the Chewbacca defense. Why would a Wookiee, an eight-foot-tall Wookiee, want to live on Endor with a bunch of two-foot-tall Ewoks? That does not make sense. But more importantly, you have to ask yourself, what does this have to do with this case? 
nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, it has nothing to do with this case. It does not make sense. Look at me. I'm a lawyer defending a major record company, and I'm talking about Chewbacca. Does that make sense? Ladies and gentlemen, I am not making any sense. None of this makes sense. And so you have to remember, when you're in that jury room deliberating and conjugating the Emancipation Proclamation, does it make sense? No. Ladies and gentlemen of this supposed jury, it does not make sense. If Chewbacca lives on Endor, you must acquit. The defense rests. <laughs> I always love the moment after that when once jurors head explodes. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. That's just, I mean, yeah, that's what I thought oh, about. Yeah. But I but I have to add something, too. So, yeah, I mean, and I'm, not to make, I'm sorry. This, we're making light of some, somebody was stabbed here. So let's take this yeah. serious. I mean, there's, this is, you know, this is awful. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's also, I mean, I have an irreverent sense of humor. So I sent this, I sent the, the NOPD tweet to my, my mom and my brother and my sister. And I said, I gotta, I gotta let you know, this is not me. And, uh, <laughs> so <clears throat> my brother sent me screenshots. He, he, uh, sent a text to his two kids, obviously my niece and nephew. And he said, uncle Aaron felt he had to text grandma, Wendy and me to assure him that this wasn't him. To which my niece says, honestly, probably a necessary disclaimer. Not that I would think Uncle Aaron would stab somebody, but the Chewy suit. And then my brother says, Uncle Aaron wouldn't do that. He's a stickler for authenticity. He would have a crossbow blaster. And then my nephew says, if it were Uncle Aaron, he would recruit real Ewoks to make humorous contraptions to attack people. So my family really knows me. Um, <clears throat> but uh, so yeah, yeah, no, it's, again, on the one hand, you can't escape the awfulness of and serious situation. On the other hand, oh god, only in New Orleans, right? Yeah, no, no. Have you guys? There's by a the reason way, that phrase exists. Have you guys ever been Chewbacca uh, stabbings? <laughs> have you ever been to uh, to Times Square? No, yeah. Not yet. So, Dave, you've been to Times Square. So, were you were you accosted by all the people that want you to? pay them like twenty dollars to take their picture the cosplayers you know they're not even good cosplayers it's like uh, no 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 <clears throat> thankfully that was that's a trend that that hadn't really taken off yet yeah last i was in new york a couple of years ago and it was like no i don't want picture taken with iron man go away you know so um but we will say we've had um you know the the people from the lagerettes you know and from the chewbacca's uh parade on here this is not the pink wookie that is in yeah, that parade. Yeah. This is a another Chewbacca costume. So the pink Wookiee yeah. is off the hook. Somebody asked me if I could do you expect Chewbacca to make a statement. I'm like, this has nothing to do with them. This is this is just a regular <laughs> Wookiee. And please do us a favor. Do not confuse Chewbacca with Tarful. This might be an adolescent lumpy. Okay. Yeah, it might be. It might be an adolescent lumpy. That's a that's a good way to put it. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so we're we're making we're making we're making light of this, but uh, the the next story actually both of these stories have New Orleans twists to them. So yep. let's go with the next yep. one. Okay, so, so finally somehow came out. Uh, okay, this the source is from 2011 at the New Orleans Comic Con back then. Somebody asked uh, uh, Billy D. Williams, "How come Lando Calrissian is seen at the end of?" Empire Strikes Back wearing Han Solo's clothes. Now, of course, everybody makes the natural uh, conclusion that, well, you know, Lando ran for his life at the end of Empire. He didn't get a chance to pack all his capes. So, uh, but this is what uh, 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 Billy D. Williams said back then. I was uh, shared by, sorry, Star Wars Made Easy. Uh, it says, it quote, it's been suggested that the outfit is the remnant of a flight uniform, and so a natural cho- choice for any pilot. But really, what better way for the filmmakers to suggest that Han is really gone than to set Lando up in his replacement, complete with a ship and fashion sense, end quote. So yeah, because I think they made an intimation that the flight outfit was supposed to be a callback to the Corellian military in which uh, Lando served at one point. And uh, Corellia being where Han is from. And then they had a regular plot story answer of, well, he didn't pack any clothes. And then, of course, the the actual reason apparently that Billy D. Williams went with is, you know, 
we gotta have, find a way to make people understand that maybe Han won't be back. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think Billy D. Williams was, uh, you know, smacked across the face with the question he wasn't, you know, wasn't expecting and kind of improvised off the off the cuff there. But New Orleans hey, breaking news, right? Hey, in true in true Lando fashion, he was quick on his feet and came up with an answer that satisfied the audience. You know, and actually, if if that I'm I'm not saying that story is true, but that's actually kind of a it, it's a story that kind of makes sense where it's <laughs> it does not make sense uh it you know it kind of makes sense where it's like hey this is the new han solo now because you know everybody pretty much thought han was done for um <coughs> but pardon me while i choke on that <laughs> anyway it's an amazing story to me because it doesn't settle anything <laughs> this is like one of those nerd debates that is raged for you know since 1980 uh and it's like no you still haven't really solved it <laughs> because i read the article and there were like four different answers within the article itself and and one of them was that the production designer just went with that it's like oh just put him in han's clothes there was no logic behind it, and that so like that's the real world answer apparently. <laughs> but you know, everybody's been trying to figure out why you know ever since, and again, we still don't know. And can I just say that honestly, until that article came up, I really never thought of it. It just go okay. Han changed clothes. I mean, sorry, Han. Lando changed clothes. He's in the Millennium Falcon with Chewie. They're gonna go find Han. It never sunk into me. Oh no, he's wearing Han's outfit from the, Any Hope. The the first time I I thought of that was um, Robot Chicken, when know. you know Chewbacca's going, "Why are you wearing Han's clothes?" You know, I, that's the I was like, "Oh, but darn, yeah, that's right." I mean, it didn't it didn't strike me as odd either. I, but I think in 1983, I would have been 10 years old, so it it you know i wasn't looking for loopholes or things that bother me in movies at that point i wasn't that cynical yet you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so i think these were a lot of people who were probably in you know high school who were you know flipping out about it but uh anyway but yeah no i just mm-hmm. like i said that came across my feet and i was like i think i sent it to you guys i said you know the only interesting part of this is that it was unearthed in new orleans so yeah new orleans 2011 and 10 years later, it comes up to the forefront, which kind of goes to show. I mean, nothing nothing stays hidden forever. Also happening on May the 4th, Bat yep. Batch comes out, right? Yes, it does. And we got a leak today that dropped on Reddit of not only the titles for episodes one and two, but the description and run times. So the image is from the Disney Plus uh, menu. So the way it's going to look whenever you fire up Disney Plus, and it says, the Bat Batch must find their way in a rapidly changing galaxy. That's kind of the tagline for the series. Episode one is called Aftermath. It's 75 minutes long, which, that's a lot. It's longer than any Falcon Winter Soldier episode. It goes, the clones of the Bat Batch find themselves in a changing galaxy after the Clone Wars. The Episode 2 is called Cut and Run. That one's uh, 31 minutes long. And it's called. it says, The Bad Batch Visit an Old Contact. So do, do you find it interesting that they they start off with a 75-minute... I mean, why would you... Why would, do, do you need to do 75 minutes to hook people in or... Well, you know, I'm just I just find that interesting. It's, I'm not I'm not critical of it. I just think I find it interesting. Um, I think probably a lot of the big Clone Wars fans would love if every episode was 75 minutes long. You know, it'll take twice as long to make the series though. To animate it. And yeah, uh, yeah, and that that was my first thought. It was like that's an incredible amount of work to animate 75 minutes worth of action. Um, I mean, let's let's be frank. It's two episodes just, you know, blopped into right. one. And I think they're kind of doing the same thing because they've done the same thing for both Clone Wars and Rebels. Like, I mean, the 
opening movie of Clone Wars, the animated the, the series, was the the episode where we can introduce Ahsoka, and that's three episodes. And then Rebels was the same thing, wasn't it? Two episodes back to back that were really more of like a movie. Well, I know, yeah, I know. Um, da, 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 season two was for sure. I don't know if the first one was or not. Um, but no, I mean, <clears throat> it all looks good, actually. And I, I won't say what the leak is, but there was. Uh, we'll we'll speak cryptically here. Did you guys mm-hmm. see the leak about one of the uh, one of the members of the Bad Batch? I didn't, but I haven't been looking. Toy toy packaging uh, leaked something about one of the uh, one of the members. If you, if you notice, like on a lot of the promos, one of the members of the Bad Batch is like not on the posters. So, um, but, uh, the toy packaging, uh, gave it away. So, um, I suppose we'll say spoiler alert, or do you want me to spoil it for you two? If you don't want me to spoil it for you two, then I'll just shut up right now. Well, I, yeah, shut up. Okay. I'll shut up. Then, right? <laughs> nothing, it's nothing earth shattering, but it's, it's kind of interesting. So, all right. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now, now you're going to fight the temptation to Google that and look it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to this, um, uh, but I also, I also don't really know what to expect. So that'll be kind of interesting. So I think what's interesting is that they are starting. They're telling you from they're starting after the fall of the Republic, the, the end of the Clone Wars, because I mean we've seen those moments from the point of view of the lead characters, whether it's in Clone Wars or whether it's in the movies. We haven't seen it so much from the uh, boots on the ground kind of characters. How did it feel like to see Order 66 go down? How did it feel like to see the Galactic Republic Republic fall and the Empire rise? I think that's something that's going to intrigue me to see, just that immediate aftermath of, oh crud, everything's changed. So I will still say I'm still going to put down like five dollars, or I'll, I'll bet you guys a beer that at some point Boba Fett is in this. I don't have anything to back that up except the only thing that's telling me that's what's going to happen is because Fennec Shand. I said this in the previous episode. Fennec Shand is in it, so I think that's a way to link those two together. Because um, I still wonder why did he just you know pick up some rando dead body. I think there's more history there, and I think we're going to see that, and it's going to allow them, Dave Filoni, to expand that Boba Fett story a little bit and lead you into the Book of Boba Fett. That's Aaron's hot take, and it's like I said, I'll bet the two of you, not everybody listening to this, but I'll bet <laughs> the two of you a beer, um, that's what happens. The the setting, circling back to uh, what Fredo was talking about with the time within the timeline what uh is interesting and noteworthy for one reason it means we're probably not going to be wasting a lot of time on backstory because they've already been introduced and you could go into the you know how they came to be and how they honed their skills and all that kind of stuff and they chose let no we're not going to do that we're going to tell this different story in this different time frame and, as, and in a way that sort of differentiates this series from uh, Clone Wars even further, uh, which I think is good. Um, I'm for that. And I, we, I think we need more stories in this time frame, which is like the immediate aftermath of the fall of the Republic. There's not a lot out there. No, There's a lot of, yeah. Straight from uh, episode three to episode four. I mean, well, I guess Rogue One. I mean, you've got you got rebels, you got Rogue One, but you got that stuff takes place way later. Way later. Um, and even Solo takes place, you know, I think ten, ten years after the fact, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, by then um, we're we're seeing the Republic in place. Yeah. So in place. Yeah. So there's like a decade's worth of stories to tell that we haven't gotten yet. So that's that's kind of exciting. Aaron, quick question. Yes. Okay. Do you think you'll see Boba Fett? Do you think we'll see Cat Bane? Well, I mean, I, I think that would be a shoehorn thing. I think the Boba Fett thing fits, mm-hmm. um, and the only and it really it fits more than Cat Bane, um, but it. Uh, but but I would think 
you know now if i want to if i want to talk my way around into this is that you know dave you're talking about i mean anytime that there's uh, and i think they don't they even mention this in solo or they mention some movie i don't know it's like so republic falls empire is now in charge but no they mentioned it in uh, the mandalorian that there's mm-hmm. just a, you know there was a vacuum created and so you know the the you know the underworld kind of just fills in that void in some of these places um so it could very well be that the bad batch is sent to deal with a cad bane who is deciding that you know he's going to run the outer rim or whatever um but like i said the only reason i say boba fett's going to be in there is because we know fennec shand is and i think that's going to be connecting the dots to the book of boba fett so i don't know <coughs> i that bad batch have a little girl kicking around with them too so i don't know well there's a lot of questions to be answered um mm-hmm. so anyway all right well yeah bad batch starts uh next week and i will not probably have it watched before uh zony mash so you guys can't say anything to me when you see me at uh zony mash um it might be possible who knows uh, it's 106 minutes that's what no. almost two hours yeah it ain't getting done 106 <laughs> yeah it ain't getting done yeah All that's right. two episodes 75 plus 31 so yeah yeah unless you're getting up at five o'clock in the morning to watch it instead of running I still don't have that much time. <laughs> so, well, all right. Well, uh, let's move on to the uh, the topic of the week, and that is let's wrap up Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, so we, we kind of took you up to uh, everything except the last two episodes. Um, I don't want to do a, a rundown of those last two episodes, except I, I just want to point some things out that really stuck out. Um and I will say at the beginning of the second to last episode, the thing I thought was just, I mean, smack, it's like, it's not even gentle symbolism, but you had America literally running away from its atrocities. The, the, the first shot is Captain America running away from having, you know, mercilessly, you know, mercilessly, killing somebody, so, murdering so somebody. You know, so like I said, you had America literally running away from its atrocities. And I was just like, I mean, we paused it like five seconds in. I was like, whoa, that's that's something. And this that's what this show has done throughout its entire, but especially in these last two episodes, that it is it is hitting you with some with some lessons, son. You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of it. So. Um, that was the first thing that hit me. The other thing that, that hit me, uh, it was not until the second to last episode as well. Um, the Flag Smashers, they're all in gray. And I thought that was like an awesome choice for the costume designer because given the line that, you know, they said, you know, one person's um, terrorist is another person's revolutionary. So, you know, the Flag Smashers were all very gray. You know, um, and so anyway, I thought that those were kind of interesting things, but uh, I don't know where we want to start with this. But uh, I guess, first of all, let's just let's start from the very end. Did you uh, did you feel how'd you like how it all ended? And by the way, spoiler alert, everybody, if you haven't watched it, we're going to be we're not going to talk in code for the whole time. But uh, did you did you feel good about how the the season ended? Uh, yeah, um, I guess like I had some issues. Um, one of the things that bothered me was Sharon, um, and I I don't think there's an easy reconciliation for that. How inconsistently her character has behaved throughout the series, uh, and I know that there are ways they can write themselves out of that corner eventually. But I think that it really speaks to the fact that they probably did some significant rewriting or re-editing of, of, of this series at some point. And that's been rumored by several outlets. Um, yeah, there was some so whole I, like subplot about 
a virus or something like that. I don't know if it was. Yeah. And you know, vaccines. They may even mentioned vaccines at one, you know, one of the episodes. So I don't know if they thought COVID was a little bit too close to home or what. But yeah, that whole, the lady, the <clears throat> the later leader of the flag smashers or whatever, you know, the lady who died, that was all very vague. It seemed like an important plot point, but mm-hmm. yeah. And then the the power broker stuff just. Um, I, I read, you know, I read one rumor that was like, well, the power broker was intended to be, you know, this particular other character. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, they said it was Norman Osborn. Um, and, oh. you know, which would be quite the reveal in a television series and kind of a departure because I, I think with their intent with these series is let's give them let's give our audiences something that they can't get with the feature films, but let's not alienate our feature film audience in the process. And I think like that's sort of like that magic lot tightrope that they're trying to walk. And so to introduce Osborne on a a TV show, I think they would want to save that moment um, for a movie. So I don't think that that's necessarily true, but I also feel like there's no way she was the power broker originally. See, I, uh, there's no way. I, I kind of felt um, I I I I loved I loved the series, and but I I was a little underwhelmed by the way it ended, um, and the whole and the whole um, yeah Sharon Carter thing yeah it did throw me for a loop. But then I I saw one person who was saying that they think that that is setting up um armor wars mm-hmm. where another it's another marvel series coming out on disney plus right that it's some of tony stark's uh technology gets into the wrong hands so <clears throat> um but um but yeah i mean but a lot of there's a lot of people who are really not they don't like the idea of of peggy carter's name you know getting kind of and it's not peggy carter but you know it was like um but you know from a storytelling standpoint it makes sense it it, it's cool it makes sense it's like i'm I'm tired of everybody saying how awesome my aunt is you know and here i try to do my best and i get you know do what's best for my country and i get basically excommunicated you know and then they you know welcome her back you know and stuff like that so it, it it's setting up a lot of you know that that whole a lot of distrust and you know it, it's an intrigue and everything like that so knowing that i didn't even think about drawing that into armor wars like that kind of makes sense because the thing that Brittany and i are at the end of us were like there's got to be a second season because it doesn't the package is not wrapped in a bow and you know and sealed up and all's good you know dust off your hands and off you go um there's there's too many questions that are that are left open and it's marvel connecting all of its shows probably so we'll we'll kind of find out i I think yeah i think in some ways i mean uh marvel's smart because they know look we're gonna give you more down the line so you know the best thing they could do is finish up this this story uh, the six episodes were all about getting Sam to come to a place where he can accept the shield, the mantle, the responsibility of being Captain America and all that it brings, good and bad, uh, you know, forward. So that's kind of where the story goes. Uh, yeah, I can see where some, a lot of people got run the wrong way given Sharon's position. But I also think this is the other thing that Marvel's really doing. They're hammering hard how much of, even though Endgame snapped away the snap, they flipped. They brought back everybody who passed away. You know, it's like, oh, we, it's like it never happened, but Thanos did. There are still after effects. There's still aftermath. There's still all the trauma and all the tragedy and all the pain that got caused by that event remains. So the idea is you can't just simply wipe away the past mistakes and go, oh, it's like it never happened. And look, we're now, everything's back to normal. It's like, nope. There were people who lived lives in that moment and afterwards. All right. To, just wipe it away. To that point, uh, uh, kind of tangentially mm-hmm. here, and I, I've got another thing I want to share in a bit, but I want to speak to that for a second. 
because you said, you know, um, you know, all is forgiven. And that was one of the things that, you know, it's like they were they were really quick to give the fake Captain America a redemption arc really mm-hmm. quick. Whereas at the end of WandaVision, Wanda is looked as an outcast and evil, you know, being for everything right. that she did, even though she, you know, you know, tried to, you know what I mean? It's like, so that, that kind of, that kind of rubbed us wrong. It's like, wow, we're, we're quick to, you know, give homeboy kinda, a, a pass, but Wanda's yeah. got to go live on an Island somewhere. Yeah. And I kind of think part of, part of, I could have accepted less the redemption more along the lines of, okay, he's now we're working for, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus, aka Val, <laughs> you know, and he, in some ways, that's more along what he wants to do because it's being Captain America without all the responsibilities. It's being more U.S. agent, who's more of a shadowy, darker, in between character. Now let's, uh, let's but but they did not give him. But the fact that they went full, oh no, he's working with the good guys, and we're buddy buddies now. So let's let's talk about Julia Louis Louis Dreyfus. Uh, did we, we didn't talk about her last week? I don't think mm-hmm. um, we did. But uh, that whole thing was kind of shoehorned in, wasn't it? Because yeah, if, she if was, Dave and yeah. Fredo, you guys want to talk about that? Because she, I don't think she was originally supposed to be in this uh, series. I think she was supposed to be in it, but I think her debut was meant to be in Black Widow. Am I correct, Dave? Yeah, that's what I've read. Um, that black the the reshuffling of the order uh, of these series um originally this series was supposed to come before wandavision and black widow was supposed to come before both of them and mm-hmm. uh she was supposed to debut and and <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> she's supposed yep. to debut she was supposed to debut in black widow um and so i think she's still set to sh- appear in that movie mm-hmm. And um and again like her character is is interesting, um, kind of a shadowy head of Hydra. It's like this Hydra thing won't go away, right? But they don't um, explain. So, they don't. They don't explain that in this show, though. Not really. No. We, no. Not, like, not at all. Julia we, we know it. Shows up. We know it because we you know are nerds and look stuff up on the internet, and you guys read the comic books and stuff like that. It's like it's you know, and I was on Twitter and clicked on her name because it was trending and found out it's like what's madam hydra so i had to do you know but they don't explain it in the series at all so it's actually kind of a it was another if you don't know anything it's kind of like what's this all about you know so it was kind of clumsy at the end i thought anyway keep going what's interesting about this character is it's kind of an amalgamation um of like different different uh people have like taken on the title right of madam hydra so um if anybody's like interested in doing kind of a deeper dive on learning more about like what (laughs) who's julia louis drivers um i'd look at viper specifically Mm -hmm. um because i think that that character will be the one that really informs where they try to take her um but yeah i mean it's like basically a shadowy uh head of hydra which makes all the sense in the world given what we know of hydra and and how they got exposed um in winter soldier and uh, they they've had to regroup uh since that time and it would make sense for them to to take steps in that direction and 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 if you think about it in in the terms of like the storytelling possibilities, it's like, well, okay, so she's putting together her own team of quote unquote heroes, which is like very Dark Avengers esque. Um, and now you're now you're really headed towards some some really fun potential conflict for the good guys down the road, where they have to take on a less good version of themselves at some point. Now, <laughs> that's what all that entails. I mean, like that's that's where we're headed. You know, remember at the end of Iron Man when 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 uh, Nick Fury shows up and says the Avengers uh, initiative, you know, and everybody's like, oh, the Avengers. It's like this is what this signifies. It's like we're we're headed towards the dark Avengers. 
so now, Dave, you said the first time we talked about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, you you brought up the, <coughs> you know, what it's what it was talking about with race relations, and that's why holy crap did they hit you across the face with it in these last two episodes with um, Sam's conversation with Isaiah, um, you know, with Sam's decision to take up the mantle, you know, again, the hero's journey. This was, I mean, this was not even a subtle hero's journey. He literally picks up, you know, <laughs> you know, picks up the mantle and take and decides to be the hero, you know. Um, but uh, it was especially in the um, uh, this past year with the with the George Floyd murder and with you know the Black Lives Matter um, protests that happened all last summer you know and, and throughout the year and the Chauvin trial that just you know went down <coughs> that was such a I mean it was such a well timed um, TV event you know to to speak you know the the truth of how you know the african american it feels in this country that that they do not feel like they are a full citizen mm-hmm. you know um it, it was and it was not even subtle in the least bit and but <laughs> and i and that's what we need is you know we we need you know, things not to be so subtle. I don't want you to dance around it. Just smack us across the face. I thought this was an awesome TV event. I I really liked it a lot. And what, what I would say is I think mileage is going to vary for audiences because there's going to be certain people who this story resonates with better. And some people are going to find it clunky in certain ways. I know that Isaiah, that that character has been criticized for coming around too quickly to Sam um there's been a few other things you know sam's not still not a good enough (laughs) still not capable enough a fighter but i think like what i like specifically about him and, and him kind of taking this journey is that he understands the burden of it and that he steps up to it and he doesn't shy away from it um and like that 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 kind of that's sort of the point of him. Like you, you had that training montage at the end of the second to last episode where he's just like getting himself stronger and better and more equipped to, to take this on. Cause he doesn't have, he doesn't have the superpowers. He doesn't have, you know, like x-ray vision or anything, you know, like he's just this guy. He's been given this shield. So what he's going to do is he's going to outwork people. And I think like that kind of messaging, um, I think that really resonates with all audiences, not just, you know, people of color. Um, but again, I, I kind of also understand the other, the flip side of the coin. It's like, well, this is sort of clunky or I didn't like this way, this execution or that, but um, it's still really a power, a powerful story that needs to be told. And I like that it's Sam who was at the center of it. One thing I will add just right quick, and in some ways, uh, if anything, the last year has always kind of reminded me of is take yourself out of your own privilege and just kind of look at things from an outside point of view. Uh, Marvel does a very good job of making stories that resonate globally. It's part of their you know, business model. They have to. They're not just making movies for the heartland of America or the coast. They're making movies for South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, etc. So, whereas maybe in some instances, some stuff may land to in our plates as eh, it's a bit clunky, it's a bit too on the nose, you know, to us. In some instances, you know, they may have done that. In fact, to so it makes sure so people elsewhere could understand all the implications of what Sam Wilson becoming Captain America meant. Because sometimes, because you know, if you try to play it too subtly, like, oh no, everybody will understand what uh, race relations in America have been, or what the history of Black people in America has been, you know, you can paint with the broad brush, but sometimes, you know, trying to be too subtle can be 
can be missed. You know, the, your point can be said, you know, the audience can miss the greater point you're trying to hit. And I think that's why they were so eager to just kind of, you know, remind us all the time because they need to make sure that not just we, uh, you know, the audience here in the U.S. understood, but audiences around the globe. And they said, no, this is a big moment. We are, Captain America is a black man. And that should be recognized. And of course, you know, it's a big, I mean, it was a big moment in the comics when Sam did it. And it's not just a big, just a bigger moment when, uh, Anthony Mackie, New Orleans, film, Anthony Mackie does it. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, New Orleans comes up once again, right? That's right. Um, All right. So, but, okay. You know, guys, has, okay. It, has anybody made the Jackie Robinson com- comparison? And I don't know if anybody has or even if we should, but it's just like that's one of the things that, that people always said about Jackie Robinson was like it had to be him in that mm-hmm. time and in that moment. It kind of had to be him. And like I kind of feel that way about Sam as a character, but because you because you mentioned you know the New Orleans thing, so one of my friends in the 501st he posted this on Facebook <clears throat> last week, said hopefully a spoiler free quibble with Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then he you have to scroll a ways and he goes, Old Bay at a Louisiana seafood boil. <laughs> So, um, but uh, the other the other theme that this series really um, addressed was that I thought was really powerful was PTSD and and just dealing with trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, even more so, you know, WandaVision kind of touched on it a, a bit. I mean, I, I suppose a, a quite a bit, um, you know. But this one, especially, you know, how Bucky was dealing with you know PTSD, how you know, even Sam to an extent and how Isaiah is dealing with it and how um, Zemo even, I mean, it's like, and uh, that, I don't know, did, did that, did that strike you guys? Um, and especially you know, just throughout this series and just, I don't know, what'd you think? I mean, that's the crux of uh, Bucky's arc, right? And um, I think like, I really like that moment where uh, Sam sort of guides him through that process it's like talk, challenging him. It's like, well, no, you're not doing things for other people. You're doing them for yourself still. And you need to step outside of that. And you need to actually do something, be of service to someone else. And it's like, because this is Sam's background. Um, he was his counselor. And that's how we are introduced to him in uh, Winter Soldier. It's like he's this counselor that connects with Steve and... Uh, that's how they begin to build that friendship. And I think it was either New Rock Stars or Screen Crush that pointed out that in this last episode is the first time you see Bucky save anybody. All the mm. other movies, he's just, you know, killing people. You know, even he's killing for the good guys. But here he actually rescues people. So I'm sorry I interrupted you, Dave. No, that's a good point, you know. Um, and, you know... I, I was talking with this friend of mine um, about this, and it's like, does Sam have a superpower? Was, he's like, yes, empathy. Um, and like, you don't see that from a lot of these characters. He's like, even to the end, to the very end, he had every reason to think that this girl was beyond redemption. He still didn't kill her or fight her. He was still trying to save her. Um, and again, like. Maybe we're in a position where we need that. We need healing. We need someone who can bridge gaps and bring people together. Um, yeah, you know, again, two on the nose, maybe. I don't know. But um, that's who his character has been. So at least it's consistent. But, but you know, you guys have said this a couple times, two on the nose. Again, I'm going to come back to my point that um, – uh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to be quite blunt about, it, but but the the dumb, racist, um, ignorant people in this world, in this country, especially, they can't handle symbolism. They need to be struck across the face with it. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's it's. I think it's it. You can't just beat around the bush. You know, and mm-hmm. because they'll miss it, it'll go straight over their heads. They don't. They don't. They don't get it. You know, um, they think they think it's, they like think it's okay America. to use the N word because it's used over and over again in um, Tom Sawyer or, mm-hmm. or or Huck Finn. 
you know, but they don't realize that what Mark Twain was doing it, it it's you know it's they're too they're too ignorant to understand symbolism. So it has to be those things have to be on the nose, and we're still dealing with, I mean, with people dealing with PTSD from, and we we don't know how to deal with mental health in this country, you know. Still, I mean, Fredo's eyes are wide open. That's what you know, right? Um, kind of what I do, yeah. So it's like you know, eventually you just gotta, you just gotta say what it is, man. Ten, ten soldiers and Nixon's coming. You know, I mean, sorry, I'm off my soapbox. No, 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 no. It's no, no. It's quite all right. And I think again, it's while we're talking about broad brushes and on the nose and stereotypes, all of that is important because again. It's Captain America. In some ways, you can get to be more subtle. You get to be more esoteric with something like One Division, because One Division is very much a show about you know the characters unto themselves. Captain America is from day one has been about bigger than life symbolism of the country. That's why you know Jack Kirby and uh, uh, and I forgot there was was Stanley who created. Um, uh, the one man Joe Simon, when they created the character, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for something larger than life. So it's a symbol. And when you talk about symbols, you know, you have to be big. You have to go big. If you try to go small, then the character doesn't rise to the moment. You know, and it's kind of interesting that um, the the captain Captain's America. That the proper proper English, the Captain's America that we've seen, have been everything America is. They've seen Captain America as, you know, you know, a good guy with you know, with a heart of gold. And you've seen flawed, and you've seen black and white, and you know, um, like I said, running away from their atrocities, running into a fight. You know, it's uh, you know, it's. It, that I mean that that's the complex symbolism, but like I said, the other stuff that like I said, it needs to be across the nose. No, uh, I guess the other thing I was gonna say about the show is it does a good job of making sure that there are no, and it's interesting because in Captain America there is no good guy and there's no it's a lot of bad guys. Patrick's a bad guy. He's just interested in money. The power broker is more likely a bad guy or bad girl in this case because she's interested in gaining power. Uh, but is Carly a bad guy, a villain? Right. Well, I mean, all of is, us, everything, yeah. everything shades of gray, right? Right. Yeah. And, and even the idea of stopping her, you know, fighting her, you know, gets coded with this, this sense of the morality of something like World War II when Captain America was first born is gone. This world's very complex. You can't just simply be somebody like uh, Walker was, you know, where it's, I'm the good guy. If I'm fighting them, they're the bad guys. You know, it's a bit more complex than that when you're talking about people. And uh, that's, in a way, what Sam is representing. And Bucky represents that as well, because he's somebody who's trying to make right for all the things he did wrong. All right, so it wouldn't be a Who Dat Jedi podcast if Aaron didn't complain about something. So here, are, here are my two complaints about this last episode. One, um, I didn't like um, the I didn't like Sam bringing around the senators at the at the very end. It seemed like we're at the end of an episode of Happy Days, and we're trying to you know get the moral of the story out. If you're talking about too on the nose that was that was too on the nose and that just seemed to just it just brought me to a screeching halt um so i don't know what what do you guys think about that that yeah yeah i mean when we talk about it but again like to fredo's point uh, you know there's nothing subtle about um captain america And, and 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 my point sam this is his superpower (laughs) <laughs> and so you put those two things together and you're going to get him trying to bring people together and, and speaking to it. And so I didn't mind the concept, I guess the execution, but, um, you know, it, it was fine. Um, Fredo, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say, because in some ways the big lesson of this series, of this six, six episode arc, was as much about how, 
you really shouldn't have trust in institutions. You should have trust in people. Because what happens when Sam and his sister go to the bank? Oh, you're the you're a Falcon. Can I get an autograph? But nah, you know, where you been the last five years? Where's your W-2s? We can't give you a loan. So they need to fix a boat, they call up their community. And their community comes together and helps one another. And it's the same thing that you see with uh, the funeral of Tonya Matani in the earlier episode. The community of uh, people who've been displaced are coming together. It's it, That's kind of the bigger point that I think Sam is getting at is having a faith in people to be good, to do good, and having the ability to bring them together to do something better. Well, because you have that. the power to do that, or you can be somebody like the power broker or Zemo or sometime, or somebody like Walker who Actually, no. Walker can't bring anybody together. <laughs> all right. Okay. So you you mentioned the name, but but first of all, I mean, yeah, I know it kind of contradicts what I was saying before, how people need to be smacked across the face with it. But it just that that was if there was anything clunky, it was that scene that was clunky to me. Mm-hmm. It was you know, it, or not. It what didn't feel like the end of a Happy Days episode. It felt like the end of a GI Joe cartoon. You know, where two kids are about ready to set something on fire, and out comes Flint and Lady J telling them not to set forest fires. You know, and so. The other thing that kind of bothered me was why why did we need Zemo to get his last laugh with his butler, you know, blowing up the last of the flag smashers? I, that that just that just kind of bothered that just kind of bothered me as well, you know. Well, my my thing is because they give you the moment prior where one of the guards has been turned or has come around to their side going. One war, one yeah, people, and they could have just left it there and let the car drive off, and then you would have went, "Oh my God, what's coming next?" But no, we got to get Boom and Zemo laughing because, in a cell. Well, because the idea is that Zemo is intelligent enough to know that Carly's message will find people to sign up to it, even people who are not super soldiers. So the idea that he kind of foresaw that and sent his uh, his old butler, his old Alfred, his evil Alfred. Evil out into Alfred. the world to put a bomb in, the, in a police paddy wagon that's surrounded by federal agents and that nobody saw him. I mean, so in some ways you go like, wow, how did you plan all that? But, you know, that, you know it's, it speaks to his character, but yeah. I also think it speaks to the greater idea. Because, I mean, in some ways the Flag Smashers have served a purpose for the story, but it's more to the idea of there's always going to be people turned you know, we're going to come around to some point of view and Simo's attitude is you can't be nice, destroy them and that's so, his uh, point of view it's so not the to, right one, but it's his so to, to kind of to wrap up this uh, conversation, uh, let's just kind of go around the horn um, because we really knew nothing about what Falcon and Winter Soldier was going to be about going into it, so um, do, you, do you feel like you got um you know, do, do you feel like you got a good meal? Did, you know, I guess at the end of the day, I guess, what would you, how would you rate your experience with this? And would you, do you think this is, going, pardon me, going to be something you watch again? Dave, what do you think? Because I don't want to uh, say were your expectations met. We always talk about leave your expectations yeah. on the door, but were your expectations met? Well, I'll also just give it a general thumbs up. Um, because again, I think like, it's important for people to know, it's like, well, should I bother? Uh, should I just, you know, track this thing down if I haven't watched it yet? Um, I would, you know, I would say yes. I would say the experience was worthwhile. Um, I liked, I really liked the, the John Walker stuff. I mean, he becomes so easy to hate and Aaron, to your point, um, when you said you really have to beat people's head. Head, people people over the head with these messages there's like john walker fan groups on facebook right now like literally that's a thing so to to your point a lot of people still aren't getting it yeah, um they, and it so well. there's still a lot of work still to be done um Fat, but drunk, I and also... stupid is no way to go through life, son. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But um, yeah, no, I think um, to really at the end of the day, it's 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 lovely because it addresses an elephant in the room, which is racism in this country. 
Um, and and it, it gets us from point A to point B with Sam um, getting him to accept the mantle. Um, and I'm excited for Bucky at this point at the end of this whole thing, too. It's like, okay, so he's finally, you know, whereas Sam was taking on a, man, a mantle, I feel like Bucky has finally shed his mantle. Um, the Winter Soldier, he, he's, there may be people that aren't done with him and aren't done with what that character has done. Uh, but I think he is finally getting over those things and he is ready to move forward. So I'm really excited to see where, where he goes from here too. Grado? Grado, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to agree with everything Dave said. Uh, I think, yeah, will I go back and watch it? Yes, I will. Was I, you know, did I enjoy what I got? Absolutely, I did. I, I find that with, you know, with now two Marvel shows under their belts, they're they're showing the same amount of depth, touch for story writing as they do in the movies, which is surprising because if you remember the Marvel stuff on Netflix, some of that stuff had different levels of quality. Sometimes they would start strong and fade. Sometimes it'd be starts low and then end with a big wallop. So, you know, here I'm finding that there's a consistency to all the productions, whether it was WandaVision or uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier or Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I'm hoping that that sticks through to Loki and uh, all the other stuff that's coming down the line. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and watch it. I'm going to enjoy it. I, I think I'm, uh, I'm as excited for Captain America 4 now uh, so, you know, so I think I am for anything else. Just because I want to see where they go next. I mean, uh, you know the Walker's going to come back. You know that Bucky's going to come back. You know that some of this, these uh, story threads that appear to have been left dangling will be picked up again somewhere down the road. So I think what, what I'm going to end with is it's going to be more about the Disney Plus thing. Disney has um, – they they, they – exceeded my expectations with disney plus i mean the quality of the marvel shows that we've gotten the quality of the mandalorian seasons uh you know it's been it's it's just been been awesome so um definitely that's that so yeah and hitch and of course they knew they had to do it right but hitching their post to um marvel and star wars was already a pretty safe bet, but it could also have been screwed up really, really easily. And so far they have not screwed it up. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> like I said, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was a good story. It was totally different than the WandaVision, you know, obviously it's very, just totally different. Um, so yeah, it was, it was good. So, well, we've, we've had our alarms go off. It's time to put you kids to bed and uh, or get you back to work. Um, don't forget, um, Tuesday, Zony Mash. Make sure you do check out, uh, that's May the 4th. Make sure you check out the um, show description so for all the links and stuff like that. And we'll, we'll tweet this stuff out and things like that as, as well in case you miss it. Um, we'll hold your hand a little bit. But come prepared for trivia and uh, just to have some fun. And uh, and whatever you support, um, support somebody on Give Nola Day. It, it helps our community tons. So, with that, we will say who dat, who dat, who dat, and uh, we'll see you on Tuesday. My